Mourn with those who mourn. That's the scripture that God has been bringing back to my memory uh, as I've been processing what's hap been happening over these past few days and honestly like what's been happening for a while uh, in our country. Both the events and the response. Uh, mourn with those who mourn is what the word says. The version that I'm reading out of here says weep with those who weep, but I grew up memorizing mourn with those who mourn. These are some paragraphs that I want to read from Romans chapter 12, but we're going to get back to that in a little bit. First, I want to go through some parables before we make it to the paragraphs. And even before that, I want to get to some words that Jesus said on the Sermon at the Mount. We could break down the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, woo, that's a thick one right there. But I'm just going to come with one little snippet that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. He says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons and daughters of God. Now, most of us watching this thing, I think that we're a crowd that would, would long to be called sons and daughters of God, probably people from our ministry uh, here at Tech and also some, some other onlookers, I'd, I'd assume. So why don't we just do it then? Let's go make some peace. It's pretty simple, right? You just go make peace. It's easy. No, if it were simple, it would be done a lot more. And the thing is, the peaceful people in the world, you don't have to go make peace with them because the peace is already there. Peace is to be made uh, where it only can be made where there hasn't been peace before. Peace is not something that's necessarily easy to come by either. If we're really going to do it, it's going to take sacrifice and understanding and patience and compassion and love. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons and daughters of God. Amen. Also, I want to talk about Jesus' greatest commandment. You guys know what it is, I hope. Hopefully we know this. Jesus was all about this right here. He said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, different gospels show Jesus presenting this truth in different ways. And you got to think about it. Jesus was preaching in every town on the Judean countryside. So there's no telling how many times he would have said these two truths, loving God and loving people, is the greatest thing that God has called us to. But there was one time that he was standing before the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. These were the uppity-ups. These were the smartest people in Jerusalem. These were the most religious people. Picture the most religious person in your life who looks like they have all their stuff together. That's what these people were like. And Jesus is standing before them and he asks them this time, what is the greatest commandment? And what they say one of them pipes up, teacher of the law. He says, ah, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now Jesus says, hmm, very good, you've answered correctly. Here's the thing about a good lawyer, though, is uh, if you put a law on a lawyer, one of the first things that they're going to do is look for a loophole. So that's what this lawyer does. He says, well, then who is my neighbor? The word says that he was trying to justify himself when he said this. He was thinking to himself, well, if it's just the guy who lives next door to me, that doesn't sound too complicated. But there's lots of people in this world that I don't want to label them as neighbors because they're going to be too hard for me to love. So here's how Jesus responds. He takes, oh yeah, it's the parable. He takes a Samaritan who, to a Jew, especially to a proud Jew, like a teacher of the law or a Pharisee, would have been seen as dirty, Samaritan. There was a racial boundary, there was a religious boundary, there was especially a cultural boundary in the way uh, that they interpreted the different things that happened. 
the Jews saw them as half-breeds, that they were like the people of God, but something different. And the Jews looked down on them all the time. He tells the story of the Good Samaritan that you've probably heard referenced at some point. You've heard someone called the Good Samaritan. Maybe you've even read this in the Bible. But he takes this story and he says, he talks about a man who was robbed on a journey and the man was left in the ditch. Uh, the man was left in the ditch, uh, bloodied, bruised. Um, two, two people wandered upon him. I believe, I may be messing this up, but you guys can have some grace with me, right? Two people wandered up on him. A Levite and, uh, and a uh, priest. Both of them need to be ceremonially clean for their religious duties. And to touch something that was beat up, bruised, that represented death, or that he was dead for all they knew, would have made them ceremonially unclean. And it would have caused them a lot of uh, inconvenience is probably a good word. It would have taken them time to go down there and to get down where he was and to see his suffering and to see and to, to dream up whatever ways that they could come up with to get him out of this pit to get him restored and made whole the way God made him to be. But they didn't. They kept on walking. Then, a Samaritan came along. Ooh, this is the part in this story where the Jews would have said, ah, he's probably going to check the man's pockets to see if there's a wallet and see if there's anything else he can steal. That's what a dirty old Samaritan would do, is what the, the haughty Jews would have thought to themselves. There may have been others that were more compassionate. But instead, what Jesus depicts this Samaritan doing is stooping down, picking the man up, nursing his wounds, putting the man on his donkey, riding him to the nearest end, putting him up in the end to recover. He was so beat up, almost to the point of death, and he paid the man's fees at the end, any meal, any room and board. He, he also paid, he paid as much as he could foresee that the man would need and also said to the innkeeper, he said, if there's any debt that's owed, I will come back and repay it. He did everything to take care of this man not knowing whether he had the means to take care of himself or not. What Jesus had done is taking a man, a Samaritan, who would have been a villain in the story most other times, and he had flipped the script and made that man the hero. Jesus gets to the end of this parable and says, So then tell me, who is your neighbor? <laughs> Woo, I can't imagine being one of the teachers of the law at this point. Jesus shut him down a lot like this. Jesus wasn't afraid to speak up and to speak truth and to speak, uh, to speak against the religious power at the time. That's what it means to love one another, I believe. It's to not, see, not to see really uh, a person as other. It says to love your neighbor as yourself. That he looked down and he said, that could, that could just as well be me down there in a ditch and how would I want to be treated? Right? The Samaritan did. Jesus was all about breaking down every racial, every cultural, every religious, even, even the class system. He would, he would hang out with people that he wasn't supposed to be hanging out with and the socioeconomic, whatever, whatever we label it these days, class system. Jesus was all about doing that, breaking down those boundaries and showing people that this is what love really is. It's to not see someone else as other than, but to see them as if they are myself. That's what I want to encourage us to do as sons and daughters of God. If we can live in love like that, we will be makers of peace. All right, now let's get to these paragraphs. I chose to read through the whole chapter 12 of Romans. The part that God has been speaking to me is to weep with those who weep. And so I've been doing my best. I've been thinking, praying, uh, even weeping over uh, my brothers and sisters who are living in so much fear uh, during this time. 
but I want to read the whole chapter because I believe that God has something for all of us who would be watching this video in this chapter when it's talking about love. Even before we get to, it starts off in verse 9 talking about love, but even before we get to that, I want to start from, from verse 1 to remind us of what Jesus has called us to as followers of him. He says in chapter 12, verse 1, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual worship. Mm. Self-sacrifice. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Don't take on the way of thinking that the world does. Don't just ingest everything that the media or that social media tells you to believe. Let your mind be renewed. Let this, let Jesus, let the Holy Spirit, uh, let His Scripture like help you to process this stuff. Let it be a lens through which you see the world. Then you'll be able to test and, and see what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. You'll know what Jesus would do and what he would have you to do. Verse three, he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one, uh, are one body in Christ and individually members uh, one of another. So he's saying like, we're all different. We all have different roles. We all bring something different to the table, but we're all one in Christ. That's the community that we belong to now. Uh, if you can't tell, my skin's white, uh, but that's not the main thing that I identify to. The main thing I identify to is the body of Christ and is the family of God. I'm a son and daughter of God. And what's beautiful about that is there's a lot of people that don't share the same skin color as me that I consider as genuine brothers. That's one of my favorite parts about the kingdom of God. And that's how this movement all started in the beginning. It was a multicultural uh, movement where you had Jews and Gentiles sitting down together eating. Beautiful. So he says, we're all one body. Uh, verse 4, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. I just read that, but I'm going to keep going in verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy, uh, in proportion to our faith, if service, in, uh, in our serving, to the one who teaches, in his teaching, to the one who exhorts, in his exhortation, to the one who contributes, in generosity, to the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now here's where it gets good. This is one of my favorite snippets of the Bible. It feels like a creed that would be spoken over like uh, a young man to like teach him what it means to really live in the kingdom of God, a young man or a young woman uh, actually. And it's just piercing command after piercing command that says this is, if you're, if you're really going to live the way that Jesus called us to, if you're really going to lay yourself down off of your body as a living sacrifice and live the way that God's called us to, it's going to take this right here. And it starts off like this. It says, love must be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. 
Be fervent in the Spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Lord, help us. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. This is my response. I'm not a politician. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a sociologist. I don't know how to fix our society. But just as it always has been with Jesus, he says to us, it's about the individual that's right in front of you. Will you love your neighbor as you love yourself? Will you be a peacemaker? What is love? It looks a lot like the paragraphs that I read to you out of Romans 12. Those aren't easy things. And, and if you heard, maybe some of them stuck out to you more than others did. Uh, but if you heard them and the Holy Spirit, ooh, like that one's going to be hard. Maybe go back and meditate on that and ask Jesus to help you, right? Following Jesus has never been an easy thing to do, uh, but it's certainly a worthwhile thing to do. I want to encourage us to love. I'm, I'm going to pray over us, uh, and then we're going to finish it up. God, we love you. God, please be with us and please help us, Lord. Yeah, Jesus, for each person who is uh, watching with us, Lord, I pray that you would, Holy Spirit, you're not, you're not confined to time uh, or space, Lord. So like wherever they are, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bring conviction to their heart, not for the purpose of shame, but for the purpose of change uh, within them, Lord Jesus, that they would be able to move forward living and loving more fully the people around them. Jesus, thank you for your parables and the beautiful parable of the Good Samaritan and everything that you have to offer us in that. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us deeply through that about what, what real racial reconciliation means, what real love actually is. Lord, thank you for Apostle Paul and his letter to the Romans and how he spoke so directly to them. Lord, let us receive it. Let us not try to, try to hold on to our own way of thinking and hold on to our uh, like our own, like this is, this is me, this is my identity, this is how I have to think. Let us lay all of that down and offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to you, holy and pleasing. Let us not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds, God, and then help lead us into this sincere love. Lead us into this way to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn, God. Lead us to not hate our enemies, but to love them somehow, to forgive them like you do, Jesus. Help us not to be overcome by evil, but help us to overcome evil with good. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We trust you. We know that we can't do any of this on our own, that this isn't a natural thing, but through you it's a supernatural thing. 
that happens inside of us. We love you, God. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us. My prayer is that, uh, is that God spoke to you through his scripture. I, I really wish I had more to offer. Actually, I really don't. Uh, I don't think I could really even offer much more. Jesus' words are eternal, though. Uh, this scripture is something that if you will take it for what it is, it'll bless your heart. And I believe it'll lead you through this really hard time wherever you are, whatever, whatever situation you're coming from, background you're coming from, uh, and whatever, wherever you find yourself within this whole thing, these words will lead you through it, I really believe. And that's my prayer for you. Love you guys. Uh, I'll see you next week. This has been the first installment in our Summer Chi Alpha series. And so we're going to have videos probably about the same length every Monday night. Hopefully <laughs> Monday night at least every week. So we'll see y'all next week.